Welcome to Champion Church of the Nazarene's weekly sermon podcast. Today, as our congregation made commitments to mission work around the world, we examine how Jesus modeled for us the process of discipleship. We will discover that he meets us right where we are, and the church is to meet people right where they are to share the good news of the resurrection. We live in a world of attraction. Yes, we have polar, we have, we have North Pole, South Pole. No, I'm just kidding. I'm not talking about that, right? We live in a world of attraction where we do things based on what we're attracted to, right? I mean, let's really be honest. The reason that you went to the store that's brand new, the only reason that you would go to a store that you've never been to ever is because they might be selling something that you normally purchase, right? Or it might be a customer experience kind of thing. So you go and you look and, and things like that. It's why some of us like Target over Walmart and things like Some of us are addicted to Target over Walmart. I understand that's a problem that we all have sometimes. Um, but then there's also the other way of attracting people into a store, right? It's the day after Thanksgiving. Sales, right? You would never, ever, ever, ever go to Kohl's. But for some reason, Kohl's has a TV on sale for this ridiculous price. And then while you're there, you end up picking up a whole new wardrobe that you didn't usually buy, right? That's what Kohl's does. That's what these door busters are. It's like, get you in, get the sale, and then all of a sudden you come to the realization that you have far more stuff than you originally intended to get, right? That's the point. That's, that's the a law of attraction in this moment, okay? Businesses use it all the time. Uh, also, too, we... It's not just, you know, in, in what we buy. It's also where we visit. The re Why would you go to Cedar Point again if you've ridden all the rides? Well, there is a new attraction that they put out every single year, right? That's the concept. They, like, literally, it's in the name, attraction. To attract you to come and ride the biggest and best roller coaster or whatever it is that year, right? Or think about our relationships, we start our relationships with people we're attracted to. And I'm not just talking about the romantic thing, like, hey, how you doing? Uh, we're, talking about, we're talking about you start friendships based on common interests. Let me think about that. You're attracted to the buddy guy, you know, us guys, we're, we're you know, we're going to hang out with other Browns fans or Steelers fans or whoever we might be affiliated with, right? Because we have similar interests, right? Uh, Star Wars fans, Avengers fans, all of the different kinds of things. Um, women, uh, depending on what you, kind of hobbies you're in, they get together, they do crafts maybe sometimes. Maybe some, some ladies are Avengers fans too, and we all unite over there too, right? The reality of it is, is we're attracted to other people that have similar interests or who we, you know, it can be even that physical attraction for, uh, for our romantic relationships, right? And yes, we are attracted to political candidates depending upon what they believe or their charisma or some of us would even admit how they look. We are. We live in a world of attraction. We, and, and, and really the goal of the world is to attract you to different things. Now we sometimes do this with the church. We sometimes try to make a, a church experience in such a way that it's like, oh, we're going to attract everybody. We've got this going on here and this, that kind of thing. And uh, we're going to get the people in the door and, and everything's going to be great. And so sometimes you'll see churches, you know, they'll give away uh, all kinds of stuff. You know, they'll, they'll give away um, on Easter. I, I, I've seen some interesting giveaways for Easter. And it's, but the reality of it is, is that this is not what 
God had intended for us as a church. God did not intend the church to be a place of attraction. And what we're going to do today is we're going to look at an account where Jesus shows us the model of how we are to act as the church. It's not a concept of attraction. It's a concept of going. It's a concept of journeying. It's a concept of moving out instead of bringing everybody in. And so today, we are going to pick up right where we left off from last week. Last week, we read the Luke account of the resurrection. And if you read the Luke account of, of, the, resu of the resurrection, all we have is an empty tomb, some ladies who visit the empty tomb, some angelic guys who say, hey, why are you here? Why are you looking for the living among the dead? And all the ladies are sort of like, because um, he died, right? They don't see Jesus, but they go on seeing nobody and the word of these angelic figures, these angelic man, men, and they go and share with all of his followers, hey, Jesus is risen from the dead. And all of them looked at him and said, you're nuts. This is crazy. I'm very confused. Why in the world would you even play with our hearts like this? We love this guy, Jesus. We loved, we believed that he was a prophet. We believed he was the Messiah and he was taken away from us. Why would you mess with us like this? And it's in this confusion that Luke continues narratives when Jesus finally, the resurrected Jesus finally shows up on the scene. And the way that Jesus does this is so unique but also just an incredible model for what the church is called to be. So we're going to read in Luke chapter 24, beginning with verse 13. It will be up on the screen for you if you don't have your Bibles with you. And uh, you might have read this before, but there is something, there's such good news in this passage. And I'm excited to share that good news with you. So here we go. On that same day, in other words, it's still, Easter, it's still Easter Sunday. It's the day that they found the empty tomb. On that same day, two disciples were traveling to a village called Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem. They were talking to each other about everything that had happened. And while they were discussing these things, Jesus himself arrived and joined them on their journey. And they were prevented from recognizing him. He said to them, what are you talking about as you're walking along? They stop, their faces downcast. That confusion, that pain is still so apparent in these two men. The one named Cleopas replied, Are you the only visitor to Jerusalem who is unaware of the things that have taken place there over the last few days? He said to them, What things? And they said to him, The things about Jesus of Nazareth. Because of his powerful deeds and words, he was recognized by God and all the people as a prophet. But our chief priests and our leaders handed him over to be sentenced to death, and they crucified him. We had hoped that he was the one who would redeem Israel. All these things happened three days ago, but there's more. Some women from our group have left us stunned. They went to the tomb early this morning and didn't find his body. They came to us saying, that they had even seen a vision of angels who told them that he was alive. Some of those who were with us went to the tomb and found things just as the woman said. They didn't see him. Right now you sense this confusion, this pain, this, this hurt. They still assume that Jesus is dead. And to hear otherwise is just a shock to the system. 
in this day, most people stay dead. Well, that's, I still think that's mainly true today, right? Then Jesus says to them, you foolish people. Okay, Jesus, you know, break it easy to them, Jesus. Uh, you foolish people, you, your dull minds keep you from believing what that, all that the prophets talked about. Wasn't it necessary for the Christ to suffer these things and then enter into his glory? And then he interpreted for them the things written about himself in all the scriptures, starting with Moses and going through all the prophets. When they came to Emmaus, he acted as if he was going on ahead. But they urged him, saying, hey, stay with us. It's nearly evening and the day is almost over. So he went in to stay with them. After he took his seat at the table with them, he took the bread, blessed and broke it and gave it to them. And their eyes were opened and they recognized him, but he disappeared from their sight. They said to each other, weren't our hearts on fire when he spoke to us along the road and when he explained the scriptures for us? Then they got up right then and returned to Jerusalem. By the way, this was at nighttime. To go back to Jerusalem seven miles walking, that's quite a, a thought process. Like, well, we're going to risk, you know, bandits, all these things. But it was so important for them to get back that they go exactly back to where they were. They found the eleven and their companions gathered together. They were saying to each other, the Lord really has risen. He appeared to Simon. And then the two disciples described what had happened along the road and how Jesus was made known to them as he broke the bread. What's amazing about this account is that the disciples, as they're walking along, and they are sad, they're confused, they share with Jesus, even though they don't recognize him, and we don't know exactly why they don't recognize him. It could be a divine thing that they, they didn't, they just, Jesus wasn't showing himself, or, you know, maybe it was a rough day. He had a, a, a mask over his face to, you know, go for the sand, whatever. We don't know. They didn't recognize him. That's what's important. But as they share with him, as they, as they think he's still a stranger, they share with Jesus a lot of right things. They say, well, he was a prophet, and it was confirmed by God because they saw everything that Jesus did throughout his ministry and how like, crazy things would happen where voices would come from heaven and say, hey, this is my son who, with whom I'm well pleased. Or they would see Jesus take two loaves or two fish and... Not a lot of food. And feed 5,000 people. I forget the numbers. I'm not a numbers person anymore. You, you know, like, they saw these miracles. They saw him heal people. He, they saw him teach as no one has ever taught before. They were like, this guy is the prophet. This is, this is the Messiah. And they even said, we had hoped that he was the redeemer of Israel. That means they believed that Jesus was the Messiah right up until the moment that he was killed. They believed he was the Messiah right up until the moment that he was killed. And they had all these pieces together. But they couldn't bring it together where it transformed their minds to think that maybe when he said he was going to resurrect from the dead, he actually would resurrect from the dead. They couldn't piece it together in such a way where they truly understood why Jesus was here. And that was to beat sin and death, to offer forgiveness to, of sins, to, to move people into a new life of love, to give us everlasting life. They didn't put those pieces together. And I think there's something that's really, really important that, that's found within the disciples. Even though they knew a lot, they didn't get it completely. 
And I think this is an important, important truth for us to really consider. The knowledge of Jesus, I have a, I have a slide for this, the knowledge of Jesus, who, who he was and what he did, does not always lead to a new life of faith. The knowledge of Jesus doesn't mean that people are going to believe what Jesus has done. And I think sometimes we, we get stuck in that, well, if they just know, knew about Jesus, they'd just come to know Jesus or have faith in Jesus. No. We live in a Google era. You can Google Jesus. A lot of people know about Jesus. A lot of people know about the man of Jesus and what he preached and what he did. What they don't really understand is what it means to live in Jesus, to have a life of faith in Jesus, to have a freedom of the things that we have been or the things that we have done. I don't understand that. It takes, friends, more than knowledge. And so Jesus, Jesus shows us exactly how people come to know and understand everything that he did. It wasn't an attractional model. Jesus didn't go somewhere near Jerusalem and then set up a church building and said, the disciples are going to figure it out, surely. Surely they're going to figure it out. Or he didn't leave little breadcrumbs. Like it wasn't like a, like, like a, a Da Vinci Code mystery novel. Like, okay, wait a minute. So Jesus did this. And so he didn't wait for them to come to realize who he was. Jesus went to the disciples, right where they were, on a normal, ordinary journey to Emmaus, a seven-mile walk. Jesus shows not only how to show, how, how to share Christ with others himself, but he shares, he tells us, the church, on how to do this. And it's this very, very important truth. People who believe in Jesus, people who are disciples, people who follow Jesus are called to journey with others. It's not, hey, if you just read Matthew, you'll get it. If you read the Bible, you'll get it. No. I've seen people come to know Jesus through reading Scripture. Don't get me wrong. I'm not going to I'm not going to minimize that at all. But far more people aren't going to go to a book, because let's really be honest, how many of us love to read an ancient book that has a bunch of names that we can barely say half the time? Instead, we are called as his followers, as his disciples. I have a slide for this one too. <laughs> it is through journeying with the disciples that they come to new understanding and new And this is littered throughout the entire gospel of Juke. Juke? The entire gospel of Luke. I was thinking of journeying, and there came Juke. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I know, right? <laughs> Here's what Joel Green has to say. Like, this is, this is littered throughout all of Luke. Here's what he says. Luke thus makes, the, makes use of the journey motif to solidify the relation between disciples and master, to provide instruction on the way of discipleship, and to encourage people to join him on the journey of serving 
God's purpose. In other words, friends, following Jesus, believing in Jesus, isn't just this conversion moment where everything makes sense and everything is rainbows and kittens. But rather, it's a journey, it's a decision, it's an everyday reality that we begin that, to live out new realities because Jesus is journeying with us with his spirit. And because the people of the church who follow him journey along us, journey alongside of us. And so, my first real message, I think, I think the first real message that God has for us is to those who believe in Jesus already. You believe in Jesus? You're a part of this church? You're a part of a church somewhere? The question that is, that is just glaring to us in this moment is, are we journeying alongside others in love to show them Christ? Or are we just expecting them to come to us? Are we willing to get into the messes of other people's lives and to be patient and to be kind and to show the love of Jesus in the midst of difficulty? Or are we just saying that's their problem? God bless them. I'll pray for you. Do we make time do, when we don't see somebody who is a brother and sister in Christ for a week or two? Do we have the audacity to call them? You doing okay? Are you dying? Don't you don't don't ask that question. <laughs> I mean that's a pretty right. But it's it's this concept of we actually care about one another. We we mess it. We send a quick note via Facebook, whatever it might be. We go out to lunch with people. We go out to coffee with others. We get to know the people who we're sitting next to right now, and ask, "How's your life? Are you okay? How's your faith in God?" Go to movies together. Go to ball games together. Do whatever it is. That is what we're called to be. We are called to journey alongside others so that new people would come to know Christ. That there would be new disciples made. And that also means that it's not just people in this room. It's the people you work with. It's the people who are mean to you. It's the people who live that lifestyle that you don't agree with. It's, depending on your political stance, it's Republicans and Democrats. You have to talk to them, and I know it's hard to do. I know, like, it's so funny. Anytime I say anything about politics, everybody's like, he said something about it. Friends, Jesus loves every person. He also loves the people who you think do terrible things. And he loves people who look different than you. And he loves people who live on the wrong side of the tracks. And he, he loves people who, <laughs> who live on the other side of the world who seem to hate what we believe. He loves those people. And you are called to love those people. It's why Jesus has the audacity to say what he says in his ministry. Love God and love your neighbor as yourself is not a metaphor. Love your enemies is not a metaphor. 
We are to do it. I'm so tired of hearing pastors, well, you know, you don't need to love them. Stop it. Jesus didn't mince words. We are called to love all. So church, are we as disciples going and journeying with others? Are we showing what Christ has done in our lives? Are we showing the love that he has given us? Are we showing what he has done in our own lives and how he has freed us from sin? Are we showing really what it means to follow Jesus? Are we showing that he indeed is actually resurrected? Because the moments that we don't live into how he has called us to live, the moments that we don't love as he has loved us, guess what, friends? We deny resurrection. We do. We say it's not possible. It's not possible. So church, are we journeying alongside others to show Christ to others? Now, if you're here for the first time, and you are unsure about Jesus, if you're unsure about God, if you're unsure about all these things, and you're like, goodness gracious, he's laying into people. Good thing I don't believe in Jesus. <laughs> this sounds pretty tough. This is the good news, okay? Because that message that I just shared to the church, if you don't believe in Christ, you are, not, you are not called to live into that standard. But I will say this. You are invited to live into a new way of life. A life that is completely different to, to what you've been. If you hold things over yourself, if you struggle with with diff if you struggle with sin, if you struggle with how to treat others as you would want to be treated, if you struggle with all those things, I'm here to tell you something. We are here, and Christ is here to journey alongside you right now. He's not going to ask you to move from here to here in a single moment. He's asking you to believe in me. And along the road, I'm going to be patient, and I'm going to forgive, and I'm going to love. And, and no matter how many times you mess up from this moment forward, I will still forgive you. And as you spend more time with me, as, as my disciples love you as I have loved them, you will begin to be transformed by me. Jesus will transform your life in the journey. He can transform you immediately. But most times, we're stubborn. <laughs> most times, we don't change habits we've done our entire lives. And it takes Jesus loving us and helping us and transforming us. So the good news is, if you don't believe in Jesus, or if you're looking to start that new journey with Jesus today, understand that he is with you for the long haul. He meets you right where you are. And he offers you new life. A life, a, a life that is not defined by what you've done or who you've been. A life that is not defined by your abilities or your inabilities. Instead, it's a life defined by love and peace and hope and joy. It's a life that is abundant that gives you the ability to love others as God has loved you 
Maybe even to love yourself as God has loved you. Sometimes that's the biggest hurdle for us. He has done everything in his power to give of himself so that you would have life and you wouldn't be defined by sin and death. And we are here. You can look around this room. We are here to journey with you. You do not have to have it all together today. We don't expect you to. I still don't have everything together. But God works in my life every day. God works through the people I'm around every day. It's transformed my life completely. It's transformed a lot of people's lives. So in this moment, if that second message was more to you, if you're really resonating with it, if, if there's something just in your heart that's just, I think I need to believe in Christ. I, I, need, to, I need to do something. We're going to pray together. And in that moment, if you're willing to give your life to Christ, if you're willing to begin a new journey with Him, pray alongside the words that I pray. And for those of us who believe already, may we be praying friends, that God would send us into the ordinary spaces, the journeys to Emmaus's, to journey with others, regardless of who they are or what they've done. Thanks for listening to Champion Church of the Nazarene's weekly sermon podcast. We hope you were inspired by this week's message. We would love for you to join us on a Sunday morning for our service, which begins at 10.30 a.m., we are located at 3924 High Street, Northwest, in Warren, Ohio. For more information about our ministries, or if you'd like to contribute to our ministries online, please visit us at championnaz.org.